Welcome to the Let's Get Down to Business podcast. I'm your host today, Charlotte Newman, and today I want to chat to you about a hot topic with our followers at the moment, which is remote working as the future. So whether remote working is nothing new to you, whether pandemic prompted a very sharp relook at your remote working processes, or you're just starting out in this new flexible working world, then this podcast will have something for you. To help with this, I'm joined today by Pete Baldwin, Head of IT at A4G LLP. Hi, Pete. How are you? Hi, Charlotte. I'm fine. Thank you. Very well. I'm very well. Thank you. So obviously, Pete, remote working is not actually anything new. Um, Many businesses have had the ability to work outside of the traditional corporate office for, well, a few decades now, really. However, obviously, the recent pandemic has only forced remote working to become a mainstream proposition for employers and employees alike. So can you just please kick us off with explaining what exactly remote working is? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, remote working is a way of allowing employees to work outside of the um, office environment. Um, You need to provide them with the equipment that they need in order to do their job um, and ways to communicate um, what they're doing between um, the office and themselves. It's great in that it removes the needs um, for commuting and it makes a more flexible way of working for employees. It gives you another option. Um, when you're taking on employees. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was going to ask. So what maybe the some of the positive or negative things to come out of this more flexible and now more accessible working arrangement? Sure. Um, some of the positives are um, there are definite time, sa- time and money savings from um, both employees not having to commute, pay, pay out for petrol and car servicing, etc. Um, that can be then used to uh, do... Um, towards working within extra work within the business. Um, it also means that you can do things that you don't usually do, especially things like parents taking children to school or daycare. Uh, it's the flexibility of setting your own schedule, uh, including when, when do you take breaks. Uh, it includes a better work-life balance, so being able to choose what time you spend with your family. Because you may split your day up, work a little bit from the morning, work a bit later in, in the evening um, when your children have gone to bed. Um, it can, can have health benefits of being less stressed, more enthusiastic. Uh, uh, there was a uh, article that I read that said uh, people working from home tend, tend to have better um, fitness um, as they're, they're more comfortable in the environment they're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being at home means that you can do things like uh, prepare your own lunches and things. Um, <laughs> eat, eat the food you like. A bit of comfort. Um, we all like a bit of comfort working from home. Um, also, things no distractions, um, no colleagues, less noise. Um, it means that people can then concentrate on what they're actually doing. Um, but then, for the flip side, for the employer, you've got things like cost savings because you don't necessarily need so much office space. You don't need to have equipment on site for your employees. So that, that can benefit you in in not having to pay out for equipment for your employees and, and office space. Uh, it can also mean happier employees, which is also, also a good thing. Um, but there are some disadvantages as well. It, it may mean that some employees feel, feel a little bit isolated. It's all to do with communication. Uh, they're not exactly, uh, they don't have an immediate access to their team. So, they have to ask questions through apps and through 
communication devices, whereas if they were in the office, they could just chat to the colleague next to them, get the answers that they um, that they need. Um, they miss out on building relationships within a team as well. Um, it makes networking harder for for um, for remote workers, and you need to be self motivated as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, there's some fantastic, like, positive and negative things to come out of this remote working. And and actually a term that gets banded around quite a lot at the moment is like a blended approach to office working, which I believe is basically a bit of both. You're going to have some of the positives and the negatives balanced out. Um, so what impact could actually being fully remote working have on some businesses' ability to actually get the right staff into their business rather than doing some of this blended approach office working? Well, um, as part of my team, I have two full-time remote workers and and it just changes the way that you have to manage them. Um, you, you need to, to make sure that you communicate clearly with them um, and keep very open lines of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that you stay in touch, they understand what work they've got coming up, um, that they prioritise it, that you you could got a way to manage it, um, what they're actually doing during the day. Um, whereas if you've got a blended approach, then you you have the ability of bringing them into the office, and and with with that you have a better ability of picking up what they're actually doing, yeah, um, from from working with them side by side. Well, I think that's the key, isn't it? Because the management is very, well, it's not very difficult. It's just more difficult when they're remote. I mean, it's not impossible. There are ways that we can stay communicated with our staff, but having that office atmosphere where you've got them sitting next to you, maybe asking more questions. So obviously this does have some impact on the productivity and possibly creativity of staff. Because um, I'm aware that this approach doesn't always work for all types of individuals. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's very fair. I, I mean, the blended approach I, I tend to prefer because you've got the the ability to bring them in for things like training um, and and for for that cross talk that you get um, when you have people within the office. Um, whereas when when you're on your own, unless you're very uh, a very much a self motivator, it can be it can be very hard to keep track on your employees and make sure that they are they are being productive. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes we can maybe get wrapped up in our own processes of remote working and therefore not stay in touch as much as we would as if you caught them in the coffee room or, you know, you pass them in the corridor. So I think that's that's an interesting point. And obviously, I think some industries actually, probably business and finance, to be fair, have benefited the most from this shift to remote working. However, we're aware that remote working isn't actually a practical solution for, I don't know, say a builder or a hairdresser. Um, but even so, there is actually still a big shift towards this in different ways for example I think we spoke with Emma you know sales staff are sending quotes on the go we're invoicing customers at the end of a site visit we've got online booking systems for everything these days um, so what advice could you offer to business owners who want to adopt some of the benefits from this even if it is just in relation to their staff's access to completing admin on the go which is in a form a way of remote working well um, with with the improvements that you've had in cloud computing, there there are apps for absolutely everything these days. So your ability to work from home um, is just stumped by your ability to think of what you actually need to do. So you can get access to everything that, that you need within the office at home. Even if you are a hairdresser or a mechanic, you can get access to your online system 
for doing MOTs if you're a mechanic, if you need to collate information to send over to the government. You can do your VAT returns online um, from home and knowing that you've got all of the backup information on your cloud accounting system. Uh, you can get access to quotes and write quotes from, from your systems. You can have a look if you're a hairdresser at your booking system, if you've got an online booking system. So you can see where you've got availability and you can book people in through phone calls and, and things like that while, while not in the office. So um, with cloud computing, it gives you uh, sort of 24-7 visibility of, of your business, whether it's um, a finance business like our accountancy practice or, or the local hairdressers. You can get access to things that you need either for ordering or, or for appointments, as I said. So the world's open to you 24-7. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good thing and not necessarily a good thing sometimes um, because we are on, you know, we are in a... in a world where everything is click and go um, and which is great for some things but I think you have to then look at the flip side I mean you actually mentioned health and wellness for employees earlier Pete yeah. and in a report published by the Royal Society for Public Health in the UK it was found that 55% of participants felt more stressed as a result of their commute and it's always been well published anyway that non-remote workers have always tended to have higher rates of absenteeism compared to um, remote workers. So with, with those thoughts in mind, do you think remote working has got merits for both increasing the health and wellness of staff and even business owners? Definitely. Um, I mean, studies that I have read um, have said that if remote workers aren't feeling up to work, they will still... Um, are more likely to work because they know they don't have that commute to look forward to. I mean, there's sometimes when I've been in the car and I only work 15 minutes down the road, and I and I get into work and my mindset isn't isn't the one that I would really want to start the day with. But um, yeah, we we just really can use leverage working at home for 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 wellness. Um, working from home is a calmer environment. It can help you be more relaxed. Uh, this removes possible distractions that they may have um, if, when when they're getting the commute, as we said. Mm -hmm. um, but there can be negatives as well, so um, such as loneliness. Um, so it's important to, to make sure um, that you have some wellness checks in built in to what to what you're doing to make sure that these things don't happen. Yeah, 100%. And that's a really good bit of practical advice, actually. If remote working for businesses is the future, you know, actually, what other practices can we adopt, like the health and wellness check, just to make sure that, or, you know, or regular check-ins, regular meetings, like some sort of communication? Because I do think, even from experience, we like to talk to a human being, um, even if that's face-to-face -face or, you know, something like this, like audio. Um, so it does sound like remote working is just good business, really. Um, but it may not all be great news for some employees because, a recent study um, by the Office of National Statistics and reported by Forbes in April of this year actually suggested that remote workers are doing almost double the overtime. So that's six hours compared to 3.6 hours of their non-remote colleagues, yet are half as likely to be promoted than all other workers over a five-year period. And 38% less likely on average to have received bonuses than those who never worked from home over a seven-year period. I know that's a lot to take in, P. Um, and I was quite surprised when I read these statistics. But how can employers actually increase their remote workers' visibility within businesses on a long-term basis? Well, there's, there's several ways. Um, 
a recent article I read uh, about blended employees were, were there some that never actually came across each other. So they came, came up with ways to, to just bring people together, whether that's like, like a department lunch or something once a month or, or ways to actually physically bring people together, um, mm -hmm. playing, playing football in an evening, something like that, just, just to bring a team, team together or, or something more social like drinks after work. Um, but also um, you need to think about um, ways that you can communicate through um, some of the apps that we have. Uh, you can do group meetings there, which are a great way to, to build visibility of remote workers. Mm -hmm. And if you have a regular online group meeting, they can then participate and become more visible within the organisation. I think that's it, isn't it? That although we these people are remote, they're working hard behind the scenes and they all have their own merit um, in that. Um, and a majority of this remote working, um, Pete, involves staff working away from the security of an office environment and has actually opened up many businesses to a whole new world of cyber security risk issues, which I know is probably a bit of your forte being head of IT. But yeah. can you explain to us exactly what cyber security risks are, as well as the impact cybercrime could actually have on small to medium businesses? Okay, well, there's, there's several different ways. I mean, you can, um, but the most typical seems to be these days are phishing attacks, seems, seems to be the, the way that hackers are looking to exploit um, remote workers. Mm -hmm. So it's having a clear strat IT strategy when it, when it comes to security. Uh, whether you're working um, using uh, VPNs and remote desktops or whether you're using um, cloud software, there, there are several things that you can do to mitigate the chances of, of something happening. So you need to ensure that um, there's antivirus in effect, that you're using encrypted um, communications, that you're using encrypted virtual private networks you use multi-factor um, authentication wherever it's available or even better yet a password manager that encrypts all the passwords for for all the apps that you use which makes it a lot harder for for someone um to to access your passwords mm -hmm. but, so that would that would be my clear strategy but it's making sure that things like your all, all your systems are up to date that that they're patched that anything like routers and things like that are, have all got the latest firmware because these are all things that can can impact um, security and hackers are clever enough to start looking for um, weaknesses and vulnerabilities within the systems not just from phishing attacks but from all sorts of other ways that they they use Wow, and there was a lot of technical stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but how big a risk do you feel that this actually is on, you know, smaller businesses who haven't got the financial infrastructure to protect themselves properly? Obviously, don't want to scare our listeners, but is there some quick, you know, easy ways well, to make sure that they can protect themselves? I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but <laughs> there, there, there are a few ways that you can make yourself a lot more secure. So basically the first one, um, if you're using cloud software, use a third-party VPN, um, which anonymizes yourself on on the internet. So like NordVPN, I'm sure you've seen the adverts on the telly for those. Um, that, that anonymizes your connection to the internet and makes it much harder for hackers to get to know where you are physically, which, which is a great thing. Make sure you've got antivirus. 
because antivirus um, will protect you against um, phishing attacks. Know what a phishing attack looks like. So if you get a if you get something coming in saying that you owe money or there's an attachment or anything, unless you're actually expecting it, don't necessarily click on it. Or if you do, just hover over it and check the address matches the person that you that you're expecting it from. If it doesn't, don't open it. Um, but but that's the biggest thing to do is is to make sure that you've got um, antivirus that you update your PCs and make sure they've got the latest patches on there. It usually pops up saying, "Do you want to update?" Don't say no or say yes. So just just so that you're secure. Yeah, and they're great tips. And I think we've seen it all the time, Pete, but it's all about education, isn't it? The more, if you've seen one of these phishing attacks, you get text messages nowadays, you know, DPD you can deliver, you need to pay your postage. You know, it's, it's quite common, but I think the more that people are made aware of these secure, you know, these issues and they don't get fooled by, I mean, we've probably all done it and got, oh no, we shouldn't have clicked on that link or they're becoming really clever with the way they approach us. Well, I know, no, I know, no, it's fine, but I know what you mean in terms of like they are getting, you know, they are getting more sophisticated every every, every few months. They they tend to go in cycles, um, and then the next route is just slightly more sophisticated, um, yeah. because the the hackers are learning all the time. They yeah. for them it's a profession um, like ours, but. But they're just after our money, uh, so <laughs> exactly. We actually had a question, which is on this similar vein. We had a question from our social media this week on this topic, um, and it was about data protection. Actually, okay. so one of our listeners has asked that with data protection obviously being such a hugely sensitive issue um, for their business, how can they actually protect themselves and their employees from potential breaches um, when obviously there's less opportunity to monitor their staff in a remote working environment? Um, well, you've got a couple of ways uh, if. If you contain your data within an environment such as a remote environment where you're connecting using remote desktop rather than um, working off of different applications um, on individual machines, it means that you're keeping your, your data stored centrally and, and that, that will be more secure than um, working off individual machines. Um, if you don't do that, you can use third-party software like LogMeIn, to, to access and work like a um, work like a VPN connection if you don't have one, which are encrypted. Also, don't easy, easiest one is not not to share personal information um, by non secure sources. From from that, I mean email is is the predominant one there mm -hmm. because you just don't know who's going to get access to a device. Um, it's not the actual sending of the email that's the problem because that's encrypted. It's, it's, it's in case the device gets lost or stolen. Um, but you can also have the ability to remote wipe as well, which will help protect against that. So it's just coming up with a policy of how do you protect the information that you're sending out. If you can, don't send it by non-secure emails like, um, like email. You can use more secure methods like OneDrive and password up um, the, the information as, as you're sending it out. Just, just to make it more secure. Ah, oh, and that's interesting. On the emails, actually, I didn't know that they were encrypted. Um, but I know you can't send certain, obviously, uh, you know, data 
over um, sensitive data over emails. Um, so that's interesting to know how they access it. Um, so it can make us more mindful of how we use it. So when it comes to employees using their own IT equipment, for example, which is realistically the most likely typical option, especially for smaller businesses, yeah. which can't afford all the extra equipment to support their remote workers. Um, how can business owners still protect their own data whilst also ensuring their staff can access the business's records and remain secure at the same time? Right. Well, there's, there's a couple of things that you can do. I mean, one, one of the cheapest is to make sure that you offer all of your employees antivirus. It costs um, about £20 a year to add an extra licence onto your existing antivirus software. And, and in doing so, you can give that to your employees so you make sure that you know that they've got decent antivirus at, at, at their end. Um, you also make sure that if they're using things like email and communication software like Teams, that they that you that you have some of the inbuilt security software um, that comes with things like Office 365 and Google, which allows remote wiping. So if, if the employee leaves or if the device is um, lost or stolen, you can remote wipe it and make sure that the, the information is, is taken off. Oh, well, so there are, there are some simple things that oh, business owners there's, can do. There's lots of simple things, yeah. <laughs> we like that. We like we like the basics and getting that right is important. So before we go, Pete, um, have you got any final bits of practical advice just to offer our listeners on remote working as the future for their businesses? Yes, certainly. Well, we, we know remote working is here to stay, um, but it's key to have a strategy of how you're going to deal with it. So you can either use um, experts like IT, IT security companies to help you secure your remote ne networks and test for weaknesses, which is probably the best way to do it. But we're not all of a size where we, we can do that. So you just need to ensure that your employees, one, have some basic training on, on the knowledge they need to, to deal with phishing um, and other security um, matters um, and use some of the combined strategies that I've um outlined with and making sure you have antivirus virtual private networks um so that but the strongest antivirus you've got is the person at the end of the keyboard so making sure they train and understand the risks is probably the most important thing that you can do well, that was fantastic. I feel like we, this is such a massive topic. We're probably going to talk about it all day. But um, thank you for your time today, Pete. That was an, um, really good information. You're more than welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks. So next week, we'll be discussing what you are missing if you do not have a financial director. This is definitely not one to be missed. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, please email them over to inquiries at a4g-llp.co.uk. In the meantime, head to our social media at A4G Chartered Accountants, where we're providing a lot more guidance on the areas discussed today and many others. Alternatively, check out our website at www.a4g-llp.co.uk, which is full of free tools, guidance, and plenty of food for thought to help your business. I've been your host today, Charlotte, and this is Let's Get Down to Business.